Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bad at Math, Good with Money. You already know by now, I'm your host, Dr. Tamara Dias, or Dr. D, as I invited you to call me a few episodes ago. I'm your friendly, licensed financial social work educator, which is a really long way of saying I teach people how to unpack their relationship with money so they can be successful in the future. And today we are in for a treat. We have our first podcast guest. I know, I know you're probably like, why? We just love hearing you talk all the time. I know, don't cry. Um, but I really wanted to feature a guest that I've been following for quite a couple of few years, following them as a professional, kind of in their professional capacity, but also as an entrepreneur. Um, I know many of you all listening, tuning in, maybe entrepreneurs yourself may own your own businesses. And so if that's you, you're going to pick up some gems today. So if you're in your car, don't take notes. But if you are listening from a place where you can, I highly recommend that you do, because I'm sure that this conversation will be helpful for you as well. So officially, welcome to the Bad at Math, Good with Money podcast, Dr. Ramon Goings. I am going to share his bio with you because it is phenomenal. Um, and I want you to be wild, just like I was as I read it myself. Um, so Dr. Ramon Goings is the founder of Dunn Dissertation, which supports doctoral students to complete the dissertation process in one year or less. He also currently serves as associate professor in the Language, Literacy, and Culture Interdisciplinary Doctoral Program at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Prior to working in higher education, Goings was a music education and special education teacher. Shout out to teachers. Y'all know I'm a former classroom teacher myself. And was a foster care and youth probation counselor advocate in New Haven, Connecticut. He earned his Doctor of Education degree in Urban Educational Leadership from Morgan State University, go Bears, a Master of Science in Human Services from Post University, and a Bachelor of Arts in Music Education from Lynchburg College, now University of Lynchburg. Welcome to the podcast. Dr. Diaz, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm all, I already told you I'm a fan of you and your work. Um, and I think we connected like first through your work, obviously as a professor, a lot of the research that you do around K through 12 education from my previous work that I've done in trying to recruit and retain educators. And then yep. from that, I was able to see like, wait, you own a business too. Um, and learned a lot more about that. So I would love to start off the conversation there. Obviously, I've shared your bio with our wonderful audience, um, but I'd love to just highlight maybe your upbringing, where you're from, yeah. how you were raised, and how you think that maybe led you to wanting to become an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think it, my upbringing had a direct uh, correlation to why I do what I do now. Uh, I was born in Petersburg, Virginia, but uh, actually my mom was a student at Virginia State University when okay. she had me, and she always jokes that I was what she got of her college education. So she didn't finish <laughs> her child and left and went back home to Connecticut. And I was, most of my childhood and early adult life was in Stanford, Connecticut uh, for the most part. And during that experience being with my mom, I learned a lot that helped to inform what I do now. Because as a kid, um, what I used to do, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would go with my grandparents around Stanford and we always would go to this big building. And at this building was an intercom. You hit the button and they'd be like, who are you here to see? And they're like, I'm here to see Kathy. We'd go up these long steps, and then I would see my mom in, the, in this building, and we would talk, have great play games. And then all of a sudden, from that experience, like after we would play games, the adults would go off on the side, and they'd be in this circle talking about whatever. But in the kids, we'd be doing our coloring books and doing all of these things. 
what I came to find out years later is that I was visiting my mom at a sober living uh, facility. Wow. And so part of the experience with that is I watched my mom go through her sobriety and, be, you know, get clean and sober. It taught me a lot about entrepreneurship, about the fact that you have to be consistent in what you do. And the fact that you have to stick with something to completion, because I saw my mom now she's 34 years clean and sober. And so going through that experience with my mom being in sober living facilities, living there and having that whole experience, I got to see a lot of what it was like to grind. Because I saw my mom go through a lot of grinding, two jobs, trying to figure things out. And I was like, I don't want that necessarily to be my experience. And I got to figure out a way to make money. And I thought initially, like, I'll be an athlete because that's what I saw reflected. And I was a great basketball player, recruited to play basketball. And so I thought that was my way until I got to college. I realized like, oh, I could do something with my brain versus what I have to do with my body to make money. And then that just led me on this journey of figuring out what do I want to do and how do I want to get there? But yeah, definitely growing up poor, you definitely always want to figure out a way not to be poor just was my experience uh, with that. What a, I didn't see. I feel like I'm learning so much about you already. Yeah, I'm like, the, yeah, I'm people like don't know the that part. They, see the, they see the end result, but they don't see yeah. all the stuff that you have to go through to get there. Wow. And, you know, I love you. You already highlighted, I think, a gem of entrepreneurship. We were chatting a little bit before the episode kicked off about consistency. Um, and so I also want to highlight here like, if you're listening and you're thinking, I'm not an entrepreneur, right? Like, I'm just trying to get a a handle on my finances and and get settled into what I want for myself. I think consistency is a theme across any kind of financial conversation, whether you're trying to save, get out of debt, start a business. I think if you ask anyone who has been successful, they will likely tell you that they did a lot of small things consistently over time. It wasn't just like a one-day effort where they worked for 24 hours nonstop and then were successful. They will likely tell you that it took days, weeks, months, years of doing the same things over and over again. And so um, thank you for making that connection too to your childhood and just watching your mom and then saying, you know, highlighting how that kind of observation fueled you um, into Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. I love that. Um, So you have a business called Done Dissertation. So you mentioned realizing like, okay, there's another path for me to maybe make money outside of athletics. So now we have the Done Dissertation. What for you kind of solidified, this is going to be the path that I take. Um, And for you as an entrepreneur, what have you kind of learned from choosing this path through the Dunn dissertation as your business? Yeah, I, if you would have asked me maybe 10 years ago when I was still teaching as a classroom teacher, would I be doing this? I would say absolutely not. Like, I, I didn't think that was my route. Yeah. Uh, when I got to college, my route was, it was I was majoring in music education. I wanted to get into the music industry. Okay. And so I started to do that after I finished school. I had some songs that were getting getting placed with artists. And so I started to pick up some momentum, but I just fell in love with teaching. And so I said, I'll still do music on the side, but I'll teach. And from that, it led me to going to get a doctorate because I thought I wanted to run the school. And so with that being these doc programs, I started to figure out, oh, I got a skill set that I can use here. And I thought, oh, this will help me make some money. Uh, but, I, you know, I initially thought I'll just move up to K-12 ranks. And lo and behold, as I finished my doc program, I struggled a lot as a writer. I was trying to figure things out. And by the time I finished my program, I started out publishing the faculty. And so wow. they would be like, go they tell all the students go see Ramon he'll help you out and figure it out <laughs> and so I, started, I just started getting all these students coming to me hey man I need help with my editing and I just started editing and then from there I'm like I need to start charging because I was doing all this stuff for free and I was like wow. I need to start charging taking up my time I still got my own work to do and then from there I just grew they were asking me questions that left editing and went to more of the coaching side and I was like oh there might be something to this and then I just started from there and then uh 
That's how Dunder Station was birthed initially doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then it grew to a point where I had too many clients where I couldn't do one-on-one -on -one anymore. I had to grow into a group model so that I could grow and scale the, the business. And, uh, you know, that's how things kind of grew. But what I've learned in that experience is that you kind of just got to start where you are and then build from there. Because a lot of folks, you see what people do online and it looks all very clean. And yep. But you have to start dirty. Like it initially started with me going into free Facebook communities and saying, hey, I'll run the workshop for you all for free. You just come to the workshop. And I initially would start with 10 people coming to the workshop. And then from there, I was able, I had an offer on the back end of that workshop. And I was able to get people into my program. I initially was doing that like each week running this workshop over and over and over again to just get better at what I do and then also to generate leads. So it just starts like you just have to start and then build. I think even with the topic of this show with financial literacy, like you got to start from somewhere yep. and then you can build on that foundation. But most people just don't start. Oh, my gosh. OK, I love that you highlighted starting where you are, because I know I am a perpetual idea generator, meaning yep. I will just sit for weeks and think about all the things. Oh, I'm oh, this would be a great idea. Or wouldn't it be great if this existed or if I had this program and I will just spiral in yep. my own ideas instead of taking action. And I can create 10 reasons for why I can't take action. Oh, I need a faster laptop. Oh, you know, it you know, my schedule, I gotta wait till I get the perfect um camera set up, or I have to wait until I get a new wardrobe. Like I can think of all the things that have kept me kind of stuck. Yeah. In feeling like I have to wait until I learn more, acquire more, um, get more experience instead of just saying, wait, let me do it first. <laughs> let me start with what I have and do it. And I also want to highlight that you mentioned, too, as you were getting started running that workshop, you were doing the same workshop over and over oh, again. And I noticed that you said to generate leads, but you also said to make yourself better. So you realize, like, even if I do this workshop in one week, I get 50 people, the other I get three. I am becoming better in the process as an entrepreneur the more that I practice, the more that I do this. And I think for me, that has been a huge lesson in my own kind of entrepreneur journey and owning my own business as a coach, but then also even in finances, because I've all, there was a moment where I was like, oh, I don't have a budget app fancy enough for me to track my expenses. I got to wait until I can get that silliest excuse, yeah. but always feeling like I have to wait until the next thing to get going. And so realizing that we can start where we are, but then also you got to kind of be invested in your own growth and development. Maybe, and especially I think too, for those of you that may be in financial situations with huge goals, like if you're tackling student loans or you're tackling mountains of credit card debt, you can easily feel like I'm putting, I'm paying this $50, it's $100 and it's doing nothing. But really you are putting in those small steps again that we mentioned, but you're also doing it for you, right? You're becoming better the more that you show up for yourself and the more you put that effort in. So I, I love that you mentioned that and highlighted that. And I think it, you know, completely overlaps again, kind of with that consistency that we talked yeah, and, about already. And I'll give an example to kind of tie it all together about how this thing really goes. Right. And so uh, I'll give an example. We used to do these workshops and part of the workshop was a five hour workshop that I would do. And then from there, this after that workshop would end, people who are interested in the program, the second day, we would make an offer to them online okay. make an offer to join the program. And we had run it previously, had a six figure launch from that. And wow. then the next time we ran it, two times later, we ran it. I had two people come to that pre presentation the final day. So the, the first day I had like 70 or 80 and then two people came. I had to show up for those two like I would 200. Yeah. 
And literally, I got no sales from that. And then what that ends up having, what you go through that experience is like, well, what do I do with that? When I got, I thought I was going to get something, I got zero. That's like how things happen in business in a nutshell. And then literally, we just regroup. My wife and I, we're like, all right, here's what we can do. Let's recoup. And literally that two weeks later, we had our biggest month right after that. And so sometimes it's about like, keep going because a lot of times we'll stop right as the we're about to bring have that brink of success we'll stop right before and so you just got to keep pushing through oh so good i remember i talked to a fellow entrepreneur who shared a similar event of launching kind of a in-person workshop and mm-hmm. advertise it and literally i think she said she sold five or six seats two of them she had ended up giving away just to get people to show up yep, and sure. she said And recently she had an event now, I think it's been probably eight years since that first one. She just had an in-person conference, three-day event, over 125 people in person. And when somebody asked her, you know, what is the biggest lesson you've learned? And she said, the worst thing I did was wait too long to start again. I took that and said, well, nobody showed up, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit down. You know, maybe I'm not meant to do workshops. I'm not meant to do events. I just, you know, my feelings are hurt. I'm just going to pause. And she said, I didn't do another event for over a year after that. And she's like, I can't help but think what I lost in the process by just sitting in the fact that, okay, you had five people that showed up. Cool, do it again. Like you learn from that. Do it again next month or the month after. And she said, I waited so long when I should have just learned from it and kept moving. And so I think about that too. I share a lot with my clients about um, not sitting in the shame of your financial decisions a lot of the yep. time, um, yep. whether that's, you know, you co-signed for somebody's car and now you feel horrible about it, or you were in college and you took out that credit card with that high interest rate because you weren't thinking and you maxed it out. And I try to tell people, once you see it, identify it, and then let's chart a path for what we want to do next. But what we can't do is sit in the spiral of, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. Why did I do that? I should have known better. I'm yeah. never going to be successful because we get stuck there and then we can't move forward. And so I think the idea too of like, once you get started, you're going to encounter those moments where things may not go the way you want them to go. They're not going to turn out how you planned for or how you expected But the best thing you can do is assess like, okay, this is what happened. This is what we did. Make one change or make a couple tweaks and then say, this is how we're going to move forward and jump right back in it. Because that momentum to just keep going is so important. Yeah, that's yeah, it's really in a nutshell how you get over and accomplish anything you want. If you want to transform your life in some way financially, in this case, you have to like if, if you don't, you will be stuck just right where you are. You don't want that. So it's like I might as well do something different. I love that. Okay, so we talked about a challenge that you face kind of on on the workshop side. As you think about being an entrepreneur, have there been like any huge financial challenges that you faced along the way, whether it's from the launching to the scaling or even now in your day to day? Like what have been maybe one or two financial hurdles or challenges you faced along the way? So in terms of the business, not necessarily because I, I always was the belief of getting started, especially if, if you have a service based business like I do, you can start with very low cost. I think a lot of times people want all the fancy things. Yeah. But like, look, you just need a way to contact people. You have that. You have a cell phone. You have an email. You just need a way, a way to find them. They're online probably somewhere or, you know, wherever they are. And just that's all you need for business and a way to process payment. Yep. That's it. And they, they're going to charge their fee once they get the money. So it's like all those things, there's really no cost on the service based side. So starting out, I didn't have the, the financial like challenges there. I will say, though, as we started to grow in business, 
the financial challenge became of making sure that you had a good cash flow management system mm -hmm. to handle taxes. Yep. Once you start really making some money, that that tax bill starts to hit. And it's like for many business owners, you could, if you're cash poor, even though you have sales, but you might be cash poor in your business, you can very easily not have enough to pay taxes when those things come around. So like really having a system in place for that was like the, the piece we had to put in place to overcome that challenge about man, I want to make more money, but whew, I didn't know that you start making more money. Those tax num those numbers on the tax bill starts to rise rapidly. And so I would say that that was a biggest piece. But, uh, you know, I think that and then not having knowledge about what you don't know financially, mm -hmm. I think it was a barrier. Not realizing I could have gone after funding, possibly to fund the business. If we wanted to go that route or idea that, oh, luckily my wife worked in the financial industry at one point in time. So she's like, oh, we need a financial planner and advisor. Right. So we were able to put that in place. But I didn't really know all that information starting out. And it, it was really like a learning process for me to figure it out. Now I kind of got a, a good system around it. But at first I didn't. I was definitely, and that was a challenge for me. Who taxes? I mean, I think about the average everyday American is probably not even sure sometimes about mm. taxes. And so I know just shifting into owning a business too, um, a lot of people forget that especially if you're doing your business kind of like as a side hustle in addition to your nine to five, yeah. you got to think about that. Um, there's yeah. definitely tax implications involved. And I just know in general, so many people aren't even aware, like on a, a regular kind of even a middle class income level, the full process of what like owning their tax process looks like, making sure that they're processing their paperwork appropriately, holding on to receipts and doing that. And so when you add in entrepreneurship or adding in kind of like a side hustle or some form of additional income, taxes can sneak up on you. They can surprise you. Um, as you mentioned, kind of cash flow, people can think, oh, I have money coming in, then I'm good. But not realizing you also still have to <laughs> figure out the tax implications for the money you're bringing in. And so I'm also hearing kind of the importance of awareness yes. of your finances, knowing what's coming in. You mentioned having systems to be able to track um, the money that is coming in and being able to have structures in place so that those tax bills and, and things can be paid on time and appropriately, um, which is what we talk about a lot, the awareness of your numbers, knowing what your numbers are, because you can't pay on what you don't know exists. Yeah. And you have to be very involved in the details of your finances, I think, as an entrepreneur. But also a lot of times I know there were moments in my own financial journey where I just kind of left stuff up to, to, to chance, you know, I'm swiping, hoping that the money is there. Or I'm spending thinking, Oh, I think I'm okay. I'm not sure. And just moving through my financial life without any sort of real intentionality, purpose and awareness of the decisions I was making. And so I think too, un that is, if you're, if you're listening in and you're thinking, okay, entrepreneurship is something I want to do. One thing you can do right now is really start to look at your numbers of your own personal finances before you even start a business. So you can have a real clear picture of what those are to prepare you as you kind of jump into maybe starting your own business or adding in um, a side hustle um, to what yeah. you're already doing. Yeah, I agree with that. And I know on one of your previous episodes, you talked about, I think the concept you were saying was resilience budgeting. Yeah. If I recall it. And so, you know, I think that really applies like to figuring out on the business side, even personal, I, we do this on our personal side too, is that we have monthly expenses that we know are pretty consistent, right? And right. so on a monthly side, we know on the business, we have fixed monthly expenses and we have some variable monthly expenses. So fixed mean like they have a subscription to a software, but variable might be, I have a contractor, but they get paid per task. So if they have more tasks, the money's yep. more. So when you think about budgeting, you have to budget for that. So it might be looking at your year and like how much do you pay and then kind of annualize that. 
So that's one route, like your monthly expenses. But then you also have annual expenses, like things that right. are due yearly or things that you could spread out over the course of a year, like taxes. So you know, if hey, if I'm, my plan is to make three hundred thousand dollars, let's say for instance, I know I'm gonna have to budget, let's say forty thousand dollars for taxes. Now you can make that on a, a monthly cadence, so that money just constantly comes out and gets put to the side. It becomes yeah. part of just your cash flow management. And I think you can have that same approach to your personal side too, as well as the business. And I think people don't often have that. So when those emergencies pop up and the car tire goes out, that should be part of your annual bill. Yeah. And like you just know you've a budgeted for that annually that you know, all right, I'm gonna have $3,000 worth of car maintenance each year. Like those are some things that you really could do now to take control over your finances. And I like that concept that you put out in that episode. I recommend folks go watch it. Cause I was like, oh, this is good. A good way to Thank think about you. it. I thought about it that way. For sure. Cause you know, you already mentioned just like, as we talked about, like on the workshop side, things maybe not going as planned, but even as an entrepreneur in business, anybody who owns a company of any sort, yeah. Things happen. You've set a budget, but sometimes the budget goes over. Sometimes it goes under. Sometimes the clients don't come through that you plan for. And if we become so attached to a budget that we're rigid, it can easily discourage us yep. to where we're like, oh, well, this is over. Like, I'm not going to be successful when really we just need to be a little bit more flexible. And like you said, build in that space for the unexpected. You know, we had a global pandemic that nobody planned for. And so... Things like that, unfortunately, happen, maybe not all the time, but life happens, emergencies happen. And so, yeah, that resilience budgeting is really important for just your overall outlook and perspective, I think, when you're trying to take ownership and really kind of chart a course for success for the future. So, yeah. yeah, and I'll even say like during the pandemic, I, I remember having this conversation once the, you know, things shut down, I reached out to our tax planner because, you know, it was right, it was right around the time of taxes. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I don't think we're going to have a good year this year. And they were like, all right, don't worry about your your estimated tax, your quarterlies, right? We'll just we'll just push those off. Like, don't worry about it. And then we have one of our biggest years like that. It started actually we grew substantially during wow. COVID. And so we had to really like reallocate. Like, wait a minute, we got to come back to this conversation <laughs> yeah. with the tax planner around what we want to do and actually had us, we had to shift our, in terms of how we were registered as a company. Like some of those things happen and you just mm -hmm. have to really be like, you talk about uh, just flexible with how things might go. Like I said, for us, it went the other way. We thought, oh, nothing's going to happen. We're not going to have much business then. Business boomed. It's <laughs> just amazing what happens, but you got to be prepared for those things too. That's a great problem to have. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So because, you know, I respect you highly just in academia, your work as a professor and a researcher, um, in that role, you are very, you are carrying that role very well, very accomplished in which you contribute um, in higher education, but then also really doing an amazing job as an entrepreneur at the same time. So maybe there's somebody listening in that's saying, I'm doing the same thing. You know, I've launched a business or I'm launching a business or I'm thinking about doing it, or maybe even I have a nine to five and I'm thinking about adding on a part-time something to the side. Yeah. Um, for you, how have you approached the idea of being able to do both, having this nine to five role, being an entrepreneur? I'll also add in your dad, your husband, like you have multiple titles personally yeah, sure. and professionally. So how do you, how do you approach all of this without getting burned out in the process? Yeah. So there have been times I've been burnt out. So it just happens as you grow these things. But I think on the nine to five side as a professor, I figured out and I created a system to manage the things I was doing as a professor first. Mm -hmm. So I had to manage a system around teaching and how I approach my teaching and how I do research. And I write a lot. So I, I do. do all those things <laughs> you do. I have a to manage to manage that. Right. 
And then on the business side, we had to create a system and it's constantly evolving as things grow. I would say I reached burnout when I was doing one-on-one. I was like, I can't take on all these clients. Like I got to figure out something different. And so what I ended up doing is I hadn't invested in a business coach. At that point, I hadn't taken any business classes. I was just kind of knowing what I was doing just from my own knowledge and trying to figure it out. And so I invested in a business coach. I'm like, well, maybe you write a book so that way it could be helpful to people that might not be able to work with you. You can give people your book and they only work with particular clients. And so I started, I wrote a book called 14 Secrets to a Dying Dissertation. Then from that book, I started to figure out, oh, there's, I can maybe turn this into a group model. And that was how I was able to regain my time. But with that, you got to build in systems and also people. You need people to do this work. So if you're someone who's trying to balance both, you have to have people. So, you know, my wife, uh, we both were doing the business. We both were working full time and doing the business. It got to a point where the business grew. I was like, Renee, you know, would you consider coming over? And she was like, yeah, I'm thinking about, I want to make a transition over. So she's full time oh, running awesome. done dissertation. I just like kind of the face, I do the, the content, but she runs the company. And so that was the initial key component. Uh, Carrie is our director of marketing, Carrie Henderson. So I need somebody to handle the social media and all that stuff. So I just sit and record and she handles that stuff on the back end. So I don't do any much of that work anymore. And then we needed people, you know, uh, the shout out to Dr. Patricia Varela, who's a coach for us. So like we I had to build these, these, these people because you can't do it all if you're trying to manage both and do them both well. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta eventually get to a point where you price your services right that you can then bring on people. I think that's going to be really key if if you're trying to balance both. Yeah. And, you know, I think you've been one of the hardest things sometimes when you've built something is inviting other people in and trusting that, you know, okay, maybe I'm the one that's been doing all the social media, but I can't anymore. I have to be able to trust somebody else to take it over and to, you know, support the business in this way. And, you know, I talk a lot about the importance of community in anybody's financial journey. Um, I believe very strongly, especially if you have financial goals as an entrepreneur, just individually, that your community can be very vital in supporting you to reach those goals and accomplishing them. And so I highly recommend, you know, obviously as an entrepreneur, you mentioned, Scaling your business, growing your business so that financially you're able to kind of offload some of those tasks because you can't do 100% of everything at the same time. So being able to share those different projects and different tasks as the business grows, but then also really the importance of you recognizing I am only one person. So like, how is my time best spent and how do I focus more in those areas? And so also if you are juggling kind of multiple things at once, you really have to become a solid manager of your time. You are your own CEO. Even if you have your side hustle, you are also the CEO of yourself and being able to allocate your time as a resource, as an expenditure, how are you spending your time? How are you using your skills, your talents? All of that is really important when you're thinking about kind of juggling multiple things and not getting burnout in the process. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been lucky. I think part of it, I've been somewhat lucky. Again, my upbringing, my mom was someone who does a bunch of stuff all the time. And so I kind of got into that mode as a kid. Like I would be, you know, playing in the band that I'd be on the music, you know, I'd be in the athletics, you know, I was playing football, basketball. So I I learned young how to manage a number of things. And for me doing one thing is kind of boring. You know, I think that's the ADHD stuff, like it's just boring. And so I figure out ways to kind of incorporate, but it's just about creating a system. And then what will happen, I think for a lot of you all, you'll come to a point when you're doing both, you'll start to recognize the value of your time and how much your time is worth monetarily. So some things on your nine to five might not be as intriguing as they once were because 
if you do it right, you can make way more on your uh, in your business than you would as an employee, depending on your industry and what you're doing, right? And so it comes to a point where sometimes you got to balance, like, all right, where where is my time best spent, and where can, in terms of monetary, if that's your goal, where can it, monetarily I make more? And then you start to kind of you start to have decisions you have to make at some point. Yeah, and it goes back to you know I really appreciate how even your idea for your business came from something you were already doing. You yeah. didn't say like, oh, let me go out here and take another class and nope. <laughs> learn something else. You were like, wait, I'm already doing something that people are requesting that is in demand. I don't actually need to go like do another thing. I have something right in my hand that is a skill that I can monetize on that at one point you were doing for free, giving your time away, giving away all of these resources. And now it has become a huge kind of opportunity for you financially through your business model. Yeah. And I would say for folks who are like on the business side, and I think on the personal side too, it applies when you transform people's lives, the money will follow. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, we can become money centric, which I get, we all need funds to do that. But like when you transform a life, the, I always say the money will follow. That's what I've been able to do. Like we've helped so many people who go on and do so many great things that the word of that word of mouth thing spreads. And now we get folks that come in are looking for that transformation and money follows it. I love it. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So you are, you have this successful done dissertation coaching practice. Yep. How has being an entrepreneur changed your, in any way, changed your view of money or changed your relationship or outlook on finances in general? Oh, it directly has changed my view of money for sure. So as a kid, I think I, my mom had the mentality in my family, right? Um, you folks always were telling me, you know, work hard, make your money save. And that's how you kind of come up. And, yep. and I believe that. And then I started to realize, well, shoot, if I stay at this type of job, just a job, I'm going to have to be saving for a long time to get the things I really want, even to make the salary I would yeah. want. And so on the business side, I learned like, wait a minute, I, I can make what I make as uh, in my nine to five in one month or in, in, in a week, to be honest with you, uh, you know, on the business side. Like, so now it, things change. I think for me, uh, what opportunities I take on change. So now back maybe a thousand dollar opportunity seemed really good. Now I'm like, how much work is involved? You know, and so yeah. you start to really have those conversations about what you want to do. And so I think entrepreneurship has changed my value, my thought about money on that side, what's worth my time. Um, and then I think also it's changed my perspective on how long it should take you to make money. Mm. Uh, I think we come from the idea that like I work I get paid every two weeks, but like, no, I can go make a sale and I get paid today. And I can, you know, that money hits tomorrow. Like you can make money every day. And so I think it, that part has changed my mentality on money. And then also I think as you make more, the units that you deal with become bigger. And so, whereas, uh, you know, I was in college, I, I survived off college with a hundred dollars. My grandmother would send me every month. That's wow. how I got to college. And you know, a hundred dollars for, so for me to spend, you know, $10 on a meal was a lot of money or get a haircut for $20. That was a lot of money. You know, that was like 20% of what I brought in every month. Now a hundred dollars is not really much money. So, you know, it just, as you grow, those units of money become smaller. Um, yeah, I think that would, that change. And then also, uh, the, my thought around get not giving, you know, when you grow up poor, you don't have anything yeah. to give. And so now I'm like, Oh, I can give, I've been able to support students with scholarships, like for, doctoral students at universities we've sponsored students for their programs we've been we've helped so many folks so i like that part is rewarding too but it's changed my thought about money like it's not only just for you it's like how can you help other folks too i'm hearing this theme of just freedom when it comes to money you know you talked about 
uh, that hundred dollars in college, I can relate. I think back now and I'm like, how did I survive mm -hmm. in college with so little money that now mm -hmm. today I'm like, that would get me through 72 hours, <laughs> not a month, but <laughs> I made it to Wednesday. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think about that, but what I'm also hearing you too, is when you mentioned, you know, now opportunities come your way and it, you may look at it and say, this is going to take 12 hours of my time for a thousand dollars. Whereas, you know, college, you probably would have said, absolutely, absolutely. today, sign me up. I will start tomorrow, whatever you need. And so I think, too, yeah. one of the things that I've just learned from coaching, but also in why I'm so passionate about people securing themselves financially is because when you have that foundation, it gives you freedom. You don't have to just say yes to things that you don't want to do. Um, yep. You can become a little bit more selfish with the opportunities you take on because so many of us are working jobs or doing things that we hate, mainly because we just need the check. And so when we're able to create solid financial you know, futures for ourselves, we're able to stop living in that paycheck to paycheck cycle, we can start turning down some things that don't serve us, that aren't good for us, that aren't that do waste our time and we can start to become a little bit more selfish with our time and with how we use our skills and our talents. And so I really appreciate how you mentioned that link between owning your own business and really now being able to say, I don't take on every opportunity that comes my way. I don't say yes to everybody that emails me and says, Oh, can, can you be my coach? Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's, whereas, you know, without that, you may have just said yes to any and everything. Um, and maybe if you were solely kind of just in your nine to five, you'd be looking at things a little bit different when it comes to money and how you manage money as well. Yeah. And I think for us, I think people, reason why we even got into business in the first place, but my wife and I, we like to invest in real estate. And we just saw like, while she made, made great salaries, we were like, well, we need extra money that we can continuously pull for a side that we can invest in properties. Like our goal is just to buy one property every year. And so that's what nice. we do. So okay. we took, we want to take profits to then invest in real estate to then get to a point where real estate buys me out of working. And so in terms of nine to five, and then I can go full time. So it's like that, that stuff is important to think about, you know, what is your goal with your money as well? Like not just to have it, just to have it, but do you want to do something with it? If you're trying to get, you know, get out of your job, you know, whatever that is like figuring out, because then that, once you have that goal, you can start really attacking it and you have a sense of purpose to also reach that goal. Right. Again, again, it goes back to what you mentioned. Like, I think we, the ad was brought up under that similar ideal of just work and save money. And that's it. Yep. That's all you have to do. And now I think we're having more conversations around, well, doing both of those things really doesn't actually get you to financial stability all the time. And you have to have a plan with your money. And it's not just putting money under the mattress or putting it in a little savings account and moving forward. Cause there's so many other aspects to becoming financially healthy and maintaining financial wellness um, and goal setting. There's a, also a podcast episode that I've done too around goal setting. And it's super important just to have a clear vision of where you want to go. It's why it's one of the first things that I do when anybody works with me as a client. We do not start with the fancy budgeting app because I know that's where I would go and it would get me nowhere. We yeah. always start with what, what do you want your money to do for you? What is your goal? And it's not just save, 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 but you have to have kind of like a bigger picture of where you want to go because that then gives you something to work towards and push towards in your journey. Yeah. Our, our financial advisor always asks us, he always says, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? Mm. It's so like, I want to get you to that. Yeah. And so that's where it's always in our North Star. Like, all right, here's what we really want to do. Here's our true vision. How do we quickly, as fast as we can possibly do, get you to that point where you have the income to 
have whatever those goals are uh, if money wasn't an issue. And so that's that's always in the back of my mind, too. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to think about that. That's going to be my homework uh, after this episode ends. Okay. So after um, I usually share on every podcast, I jump into what is called a financial wellness tip. Um, I share something that is relevant to what the discussion has been that the audience can kind of take and implement or reflect on once the episode is done. And so as our esteemed guest, um, I'd love to offer you the opportunity to share a, a, a financial wellness tip with us about the conversation today, or maybe just about something that you've learned over the course of your journey about finances and money. I would say uh, the first thing in order to be successful with money is have the right mindset about it. And so for many of us, we have to disrupt all that baggage that we have yeah. around money. Right. And so I would say that that's the first part. This tip has kind of multiple steps, but that that's the first part. And then secondly, with that, once you have the right mindset, you'll start to recognize like you need to invest in experts who can help you get to a spot that you can't on your own. And so what that would look like, just to give an example, is. Uh, at one point in time, we were trying to figure out our tax liability situation. It got to a point where our tax preparer just was giving us advice that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, we could do something. We got to do something different or else we're going to have this big tax bill. And then we started to figure out, oh, there's a difference between a tax preparer and a tax strategist. Yeah. And so like I would say for anybody who start making a little bit of money, you're going to get to a point where you got to have uh, someone who might prepare taxes, but a strategist. And so literally we had to invest our probably like $5,500, right, in, into this tax strategist to help us to create this tax plan that would then save us $25,000. So like that was a 5x return, but that yeah. was indeed money out of the pocket. So sometimes when we have a kind of bad mindset around money, we won't invest in, our, in things like that. We'll say, oh, my God, I got to give up all that money. But like you got to recognize that you're paying somehow. And so you might as well get the expertise and the knowledge and so we didn't pay just for that tax money. We paid for their knowledge. And now we have a strategy and system around it what we didn't have before. So I would just say, you know, have the right mindset and then there invest in people, experts who can help get to where you're trying to go. Fantastic. Money mindset is everything because anybody knows that you can have the biggest goals in the world. But if mentally you're not in the place you need to be to go after them you won't be successful. And, you know, I always have had the beliefs you got to spend money when you want to make money or hit some of those bigger goals. And so, as you mentioned, you know, hitting that five X return on the front end, you were kind of like, okay, I got to make an investment on something that maybe I'd never had, or that I just had a tax repair and this wasn't an expense, but now the return on that has been huge. And you've even shared, you even shared like it's now caused you to create systems that, yeah you can implement. And so I always encourage you to seek out help, especially in spaces where you know you need to grow. That is not a strength of yours. Um, seek out experts that can help you and support you in, in hitting those financial goals. So absolutely. Uh, so awesome. Well, before we go, I want to let the folks know how they can contact you, how they can reach you. If you want to share your website, Instagram, yeah. what's the best way if people are listening and saying, oh, that was fantastic. Maybe they're writing a dissertation. Maybe they know someone in a doc yeah. program. If they want to contact you, how can they do that? Yeah. So for my doctoral students, if you need support, you can go to our website at www.thedonedissertation.com. Uh, and if you're also a doctoral student trying to figure out how to get through this process, you can actually uh, text hashtag elevate, E-L-V-A-T-E, 
to 301-701-2466. And I'll give you access to a guide to learn how to elevate your academic writing. It's a free training that you can have access to uh, if you're interested and need that type of support. And then for my folks, if you're just interested in learning more about just what we have going on on the entrepreneur side, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Ramon Goings. And if you just type in Dr. Ramon Goings, you'll find me on every, everywhere else online. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining us. I loved this conversation. I'm so thankful that you shared just about who you are, your expertise, your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, and if you like this episode, please like it, share it, share it with a friend, um, subscribe so that you can get updates on future episodes. We highlighted previous episodes. So if you're listening and you're new, definitely go back and listen to the episodes before this one. And please join us back again for another episode of Bad at Math, Good with Money. Dr. Goings, thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.